here's the thing. It's again, it's not the man leading out of dictatorship. It's not the man leading out of control. It's the man leading out of love. I, you cannot find a relationship where a man is loving and respecting his woman, but is the leader head of the household. And this woman is miserable and unhappy with that dynamic. Mm. It doesn't exist because now it takes a burden off of her. The reality is that a lot of women, when you talk about this whole control or they fight this dynamic, is because they have been hurt or they don't trust men to lead. So to them, it's how dare I, you know, how dare anyone say a man should lead me as if I can't. No, of course you are capable of leading yourself. But in any dynamic of two or more people, there has to be identified roles if you want success. Same thing happens in sport. You guys know I included that clip just because he mentioned sport, right? I heard sport and I was like, "Mm, he's talking to me. It's Love and Philosophy, episode 16, part two. Let's go. Smile. All right, guys, welcome to it. It's part two of Love and Philosophy, episode 16, Why Men Should Lead. Uh, Yeah, man, I want to do a quick recap of what we just spoke about before. And that is the fact that, you know, we exist in systems, our relationships. Most of the time, we're just creating systems. And for the most part, the age-old system of women take care of the kids, raise the kids, and men go out, protect and provide, and lead the relationship or the family hasn't really changed it's just that a certain dynamic has changed because now we can afford to do so and because of that i think that we think it's changed but it actually hasn't and that you can see because people from external of our relationship still treat us the same way they still see women as the people that are the Uh, responsible for the caretaking of children and we still see men as the ones that are responsible for the leadership within any given relationship and at the end of the episode i played a clip um, of a man and a wife and they were sitting on a stage and the wife was talking about the fact that she submits to her man because she understands that the rise and fall of the thomas family is going to fall on him whether she likes it or not it's just going to fall on him and so she allows him to make the decisions when there is a decision that needs to be made because it's his responsibility to do so and she's like (laughs) and i don't want that burden okay so in this episode part two I want to take a look at men. And the reason why I put that clip at the beginning was because the speaker said something that I found so interesting. And it was something that I was thinking about as well, which is that a lot of the time, much of this debate comes from how we are perceiving men. I've been talking a lot to the crowds that I've been talking to, not about rights, but about responsibility, right? Because you can't have the bloody conversation. What are you doing? You can't have the conversation about rights without the conversation about responsibility because your rights are my responsibility. That's what they are, technically. So you just can't have only half of that discussion. And we're only having half that discussion. And the question is, well, what the hell are you leaving out if you only have that half of the discussion? And the answer is, well, you're leaving out responsibility. And then the question is, well, what are you leaving out if you're leaving out responsibility? And the answer might be, well, maybe you're leaving out the meaning of life. That's what it looks like to me. It's like, here you are, suffering away. What makes it worthwhile? Rights? You know, you're completely out. You're completely, you have no idea what you're, it's almost impossible to describe how bad an idea that is. Responsibility. 
That's what gives life meaning. Well, what's really cool about that is that when I talk to these crowds about this, the men's eyes light up. And that's very, like I've seen that phenomenon because I've been talking about this mythological material for a long time. And I can see when I'm watching crowds, people, you know, their eyebrows lift, their eyes light up because I put something together for them. And that's what mythological stories do. So I'm not taking responsibility for that. That's what the stories do. So I say the story and people go click, 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 you know, and their eyes light up. But this responsibility thing, that's a whole new order of this, is that young men are so hungry for that, it is unbelievable. One of my favorite shows to watch on television, any television, is Indian matchmaking on Netflix. Guys, Indian matchmaking on Netflix has the answers. And the basic premise of the show is uh, there's this Sima auntie who is this lady from uh, India. She's a matchmaker. And young Indian singles, uh, generally in the United States, are looking for a partner. Um, but now they have taken the matchmaking route, which is basically like arranged marriage, but it's not because the families aren't doing it. So they reach out to this matchmaker and she basically matches them together. Sima Auntie has a couple of clear rules. Number one, you're never going to get 10 out of 10 in a partner. So I really like that rule. Then number two, she says, once you say yes, just go ahead and make it work. And without fail, every single one of the Indian parents, when she says it in front of them, they all agree and they go, yeah, 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 100%. <laughs> And so there's like this old school thinking when it comes to relationships that I notice in Indian matchmaking. And there's, you can delineate it to one word, and that word is duty. The husband and wives that entered into arranged marriages felt a sense of duty not only to one another, but also to their families. That is the reason why arranged marriages sort of work is because the people come into it and they recognize that this marriage, this institution, this relationship is far bigger than just me and you. It's about our families. So I'm also there as a representative of my family. And then I have a duty. So as a representative to my family, I have a duty to them to do the best that I can over here. And then on another level, I have a duty to you, my partner, to show up as a wife or a husband would show up. Now, I'm not even going to say anything, but I'm just going to ask the question. Do you guys believe that's how we're showing up in modern dating as like a Western culture? Do you think we're entering relationships with a sense of duty for these relationships and to one another to show up in a particular manner for one another? So you're probably wondering, Volo, why the hell are you talking about Indian matchmaking, duty, and showing up for one another? Well, I think it's because in life, you have to almost take a spiritual outlook on everything in order to try and derive some sort of ancient wisdom about it. And I think in today's day and age, that might be something that's missing in a lot of the theories and ideologies that are shaping the world that we live in today, at least the Western world that we live in today. And I think one of the spiritual ideas that we really need to come to grips with is the fact that it is not, it's not by mistake that men and women were placed on planet Earth together. 
That is not by mistake, it is by design. It is not by mistake that we struggle to communicate and understand one another. That is by design. It is not by mistake that we have fundamental differences between us, but we are almost exactly the same. It is by design. And I think that what we actually have is a duty to one another to work on the relationship between one another in order for us to extract the full value of this experience that is life. And I mean, you don't even have to look at it only from a romantic sense. If you're a man, you know that when you've got a good relationship with a woman and you can understand her, that your life is infinitely better because of it. They expose you to a world that you couldn't even understand before and you see things differently because of them. And similarly, as a woman, when you have a man in your life and you have a good relationship with him and he will help you see life in a different way. These can be platonic relationships, familial relationships, like, you know, if you've got siblings, all of these things, they enrich our lives. I have to tell you, now that I'm older, um, it really was, it really, I really miss having, not having had a dad, I, or a male, a male figure in my life. I had my grandfather, but he obviously is my grandfather, so it's not the same thing. But I think I would have done a lot better in my life, um, younger, if I had had a male, a good male influencer in my life. And it's funny, I really hope that um, I get to have a family, if I ever have kids, wh where I, I have a, you know, a, a father that's really present for my kid. I think it's invaluable for a girl to have a dad. When you say that, what are you referencing in your mind of the things that that you were missing or that were difficult? Especially my relationship to men, you know, the way I, I've, what things that I accepted, like stuff like what you said, for example, you know, maybe if I'd had a male figure, I would have shut that guy down at the get-go. I'm like, why are we talking about my dress? Let's talk about Troy. Yeah. So I just think that um, I really searched for a long time how to navigate life and, and men and myself. Um, I see girlfriends that have had great dads and I, I'm envious of their relationship, and I feel like they did better um, earlier, you know, when it comes to that. Even if you're a great dad or a great mother, you're always going to, you know, go, oh, my mom, you know, she screwed me up for life. Yes. And, and we try our best. Listen, I, I, I don't mean that, you know, we all, we're all human. But I do think that, um, especially for girls, I can obviously only talk for girls, I think, uh, I think we, need, we need men to have our backs and, and push us um, to become women, good women. And we as men need women to, yeah. to help us yes. communicate, to help us uh, understand how to treat people. And I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny, I was really thinking about that in the past couple of days because the whole, the Time's Up movement and mm -hmm. all that, you know, and it's all girl power. And I, I, I obviously 100% support that, but I've, I'm really acutely aware that we need men to walk by our sides. You know, we can't do this alone. It's not just women against the world. You know, we need stand-up men to walk by us, with us. So I want to know from you guys, what do you think? Do you think we need men? In this day and age where women can do so much by themselves and for themselves, do we honestly need men? Let me know what you think. So when I was on Instagram some time ago, I was scrolling and I came across this account and this account would just post positive stories about men and masculinity. 
stories of men helping grannies across the road, you know, maybe dying in the in the line of saving somebody else, running into burning houses to go and save children, you know, uh, helping a cat down from a tree. It was just, it was like such a, for lack of a better term, it was like a mind fuck because I hadn't seen this before on the internet. And so I followed the account. The account's name is at the Tin Men and it's a fantastic account. And I followed the account and I came to realize quite quickly when I kept seeing this content that this person was on a mission to spread positivity around masculinity and men. Why is this important? Well, it's important because why would somebody be doing that? And the reason is because there is a lot of negative stories about men on social media and the internet. Now, we can argue the fact of whether or not these stories are true and whatnot, and, but that's what I don't think is the point. At least it's not the point that I'm trying to make here in why we should met, let men lead. And the point that I'm trying to make right now is the fact that on the internet, if you are engaged in just negative stories about men and you've had one or two experiences with men that are negative, the chances are that you are going to reach a conclusion that is negative about men. So if you had a negative experience with any particular guy when you were dating, if you go onto the internet, I can guarantee you right now that you will find evidence of that in other men, which will then solidify the idea that you already had about men given this one experience. But here's the problem. You had one experience and maybe someone will say, but I've had two, I've had three. Let's just call it one. You've had one experience and it was reinforced by stories surrounding men. And there's an emphasis on stories there because the reality is everything in our mind is a collection of stories. Even if we were in a particular place, right, and we experienced something ourselves, it doesn't make it the truth. It is just a story. What we experienced, we tell ourselves a story about that particular experience. That experience came and it left. How we hold on to it is a story. And so you have this recurring story in your mind that tells you about that experience, but it is actually a story. And you often see this in courtrooms, right, where the defense attorneys don't necessarily try to prove facts. They try to discredit the story and they attack a person's memory. That's why they ask the same question over and over and over again, because they know that facts change in your mind, that certain things change in your mind, that it isn't exactly how you saw it. And that's why it's so important that when something happens, you write it all down and you keep remembering it as it happened because your mind records it as a story and not as the truth and absolute fact. There's just as much fear of submitting to someone as being a leader. A part of us being in survival mode is that you can't show weakness. That's every animal. When every animal is in survival mode, you, you have to hide your weaknesses. It's about getting through the next moment. It's harder for you to think long term. So now I got to leave yeah. my survival, not my love, not my happiness, mm -hmm. not my, my survival 
up to this individual or I got to lead another individual. And a lot of us haven't reached a place in our own relationship, like with self to where we healed enough to realize, like, oh, my God, like I'm I'm capable of this. This person does trust me. It's not about survival anymore. We passed that like we actually building something here. I absolutely love this clip because of what this guy says, which is basically as much as women are afraid of submission and trusting their man to lead, I think men are afraid as well themselves of being the leader, having the whole household, the whole family, everybody being responsible for it all. Guys, I will tell you that from my own personal experience, I was fucking terrified of that. I don't think that people understand just how insane of a request that is to put on someone's shoulders to be responsible for the family. Like, dog, I'm just Uvolo. I'm just Uvolo. Like, can I just take care of myself, right? And so I think that there is a part of men's experience that is misunderstood. I think that when it comes to the conversation around leadership in a relationship, the assumption is that it is coming from a, a, dic- a dictatorship perspective, an authoritative perspective. When in reality, many, many men, I would argue most men, are actually just trying to do the best that they can for their partner and the relationship according to what they understand they're being judged on and also what they believe their duty is to the relationship, right? That most men are actually doing the best that they can in accordance to what they perceive their duty to be to the relationship and also how they are being assessed externally of that relationship. So ladies, I'm going to ask you a question. And this question is particularly for the ladies because I think this episode is really for, for women. Next episode is definitely for men. How many of you have actually sat down and directly asked your partner, mate, like, how do you feel about leadership? How do you feel about taking on the responsibility for me and this entire family that we're building? How do you feel about taking on the responsibility to the external family as well or the external relationships that we have as well from a social perspective? Is that something that you want to do? Is that something that you feel you have to do as a man? And if it's something that you feel you have to do, what's my role? How would you like me to play that position, you know? How many of you guys have actually had that conversation? I'd love to know the answer to that question. And we can take that conversation one step further, which is to say, okay, cool. If you don't want to lead, what do you see your role being in this relationship? Now, that's not to say that, you know, there is no other role for you, but how else do you see yourself deriving fulfillment from this relationship? And particularly in a situation where you guys are going to have children and as the mother, you know that maybe I'm going to derive fulfillment from being the mother of this child. You know, where are you going to derive fulfillment from when you're not leading our family? Remember, we're talking about a traditional setup over here. So it would be very interesting to know like what the answers are to those questions and whether or not you've ever had them. Listen, I've had to communicate my needs before 
Bro, it was not nice. I was like, so my knees are... And I, I, I really struggled to get the words out. I mean, eventually I did, but I was so shocked at how difficult it is to communicate our needs. How much more harder is it to ask someone about their needs and particularly in a realm where I don't think many of us have an explicit conversation to say, I will lead, I will submit, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I think that a lot of it is just down to expectations. And if you listen to this next clip, you'll understand how tricky it is when it's just down to expectations that aren't actually spoken about. Let's talk about duty and being dutiful in your marriage. Yet again, disclaimer, not a therapist, not a professional, or from the perspective of someone whose marriage failed. Now, conversations that were never had when I was planning on getting married at the tender age of 23, I never talked or spoke about what was expected from me as a husband, as a man, as a partner. We at the time didn't even necessarily agree on whether we wanted kids or not. Uh, wouldn't advise getting married without having that conversation. We had never talked about expectations in terms of financial responsibility. We had never talked about things as simple as, do I need to take out the rubbish every day? Do you need to cook or do I need to cook? We never talked about our expectations in the bedroom either. We never had conversations about financial planning in terms of what our future and our goals were. There were a lot of conversations we didn't have. But on this particular topic, I'm talking about duty. And I think the term duty in, 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 in our marriages or in our perspectives is like it feels forced but i think if we honor what is our duty that is agreed upon in the beginning of the marriage we are both adding to the cup that is our marriage now it's for some it's as simple as wanting to come home to a home-cooked meal now that may be a very old school ideology but if it's something that's agreed upon then so be it and in some perspectives it's that the man needs to be the breadwinner yes very old ideology but, you know, that's each to their own. I have come to understand that in today's age, in 2022, a lot of couples that's marriages are healthy. I didn't say perfect, but healthy. On the financial perspective, they scale things. So if I earn X percent more than you, I am liable for X percent more of the expenses in the household. Whether that's right or wrong is up for debate, but it seems to work. I think there were a lot more things I could have done in my marriage that were my duty. But at the time, I was 23, I was a kid, I had lost my father three years prior, and I didn't understand the responsibility of getting married. So I'll ask you this. What is your opinion on duty or being dutiful in your marriage? What is a duty you think should be honored and upheld in your marriage, in your relationship or your future marriage? What are your expectations of a partner? Are they realistic? So guys, this has been part two of episode 16 of Love and Philosophy. And just a quick summary. Indian matchmaking, greatest show of all time. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Not really, because I really love Sima Anti, but I have to say that as a disclaimer, just in case you guys want to hold me to account. But essentially, back in the day, people entered marriages out of a sense of duty 
to their families and to the relationship, the marriage itself. So to their partner, but showing up for the marriage more than anything in the way that they believed they were supposed to do so. So things were always much bigger than just the individuals that entered the relationship. It was about far more than that. I think in today's day and age, you have men that are trying to do that. But the problem is that we have an idea of men that is making it difficult. And that idea is born from stories. And these stories are all over social media and in between, you know, people and interpersonal relationships that they seem very, very true, but they don't represent the entire spectrum. And in the entire spectrum, we need one another as men and women. We need one another to give ourselves the full picture of the human experience. That's when we derive the most value, the most fulfillment, the most joy from that experience. But in needing one another, I think that particularly with men, we need to start asking them the question, is this something you want to do? Is it, do you want to be a leader? And if so, what does that look like? How can I support you, et cetera, et cetera. And only then can we really give people the room in order to lead in a way that works not only for them, but also for ourselves. Anyways, guys, this has been part two of Love and Philosophy, episode 16, like I said, where we talked about men. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about leadership itself. And we're going to unpack that one. And that one is going to be more directed to men because, like I said, I think if men want the role of a leader, they really need to understand what that thing is about. And whoo, let me tell you something. It ain't as easy as it sounds. See you guys next time on Love and Philosophy. Cheers.